Hi there, Buffalo fans, and <laughs> thanks for tuning in to another, to another podcast. I'm sorry, this one may be my one yet, just because of how how rough it was to watch that, that game. So the Sabres came out of out of Detroit, lost 3 nothing, and really were outplayed, outclassed the entire game. And aren't many positives to take away from this one. Robin Leonard played great. He's one of the few positives. I thought I thought he, he he looked really good. He it's really the same things that I that I talked about in previous podcasts, but you can see it every night. It's just his his talent and he's huge and athletic and doesn't really tend to let himself well he he seems to get into this zone. He's very uh very serious and you almost see that he's crazy enough where he could go on some three shutout in a row type of streak. He's just he, goalies need to be a little nutty, and a lot of them are more than a little nutty. But I think he's got that what you know whatever you want to call it that craziness gene or whatever where he can do that where he can he'll really he's really convinced that he can stop every shot, and I really thought he might tonight, but. Detroit just was dominating the Sabres way too much and ended up giving up a couple goals late. Uh, one was on a great pass by by Dylan Larkin. That was that was great to see. Well, I mean, from a Wings perspective, it was a really nice pass. Um, Sabres were out of position, obviously, but um, Larkin's going to be a hell of a player. I he already he already is it was a nice draft pick for them and. It's always nice to see young players doing well. It's not as nice when it's a division rival and somebody that you're going to have to play a bunch of times a year, every year for the foreseeable future. But I can see that Larkin-Eichel element becoming one of the bigger storylines in the league and probably the two faces of, of these two franchises in the future. Eichel really already is for... For the Sabers, for the Wings, it's obviously still going to be probably Datsuk and Zetterberg. Those are really the faces of that franchise until they eventually retire. But I think going forward, you know, you can see for the next decade that being a huge storyline: Eichel versus Larkin. You know, nationally televised multiple times a year because you do expect both of these teams to be good in the future. Detroit is very good right now, but you expect them to, to continue to be very good because they do have a lot of young players coming up and they've continued to draft well. And even when Zetterberg and Datsuk eventually do leave, they've got a good good young core developing there. Um, so can't really place any fault on, on Leonard. He made 42 saves on 45 shots. And it's tough because he's played well in all three of these games since he's returned. And hasn't been able to, to, to get a win yet. So hopefully they can get one for him soon. But it's so hard when your team scores zero, one, maybe two goals a game. It's really hard to win like that, even in the low-scoring NHL right now. It, it It's extremely difficult. And tonight, they didn't really even have any... They had very few legitimate chances, very few period of time where they were carrying the play. Really the only line that I thought did it, and it was more toward the beginning of the game rather than toward the end, but was the the third line that I praised in last 
in the last podcast, but the Felino, uh, Larson, Gianta line, and they were kept together for this game. Like I speculated, they might be. I didn't really know what Bilesman would do if he would want to keep them together after the Reinhardt injury, assuming that Reinhardt wouldn't play. He ended up not playing. If he'd want to keep them together and just cycle other wingers up higher into the lineup to play next to Eichel and O'Reilly, and that is what ended up happening. But none of the other lines really were able to get any sort of semblance of of anything going in the offensive zone. They were constantly hemmed down in the defensive zone, and they were just kind of, it looked like last year really, where they were so thoroughly outplayed that they were just trying to do whatever they could to to block shots and keep lanes open for for Leonard. But you're not going to win games that way. A goal eventually is going to go in. Um, you know, you're not going to create any offense playing that way because everybody's collapsing so deep into the zone. So when you do get possession of the puck, it's not like you can get a breakout going with some speed. It's you've got to just try to chip the puck out of the zone and then get off the ice for the next line to come back out and be hemmed in their own zone. So injuries are obviously a huge a huge part of that and just their their top six forwards there's not really mu- there's not really much to say about them and you've got so you've got Eichel and O'Reilly and Kane and McGinn who have been mostly mainstays up there this year Kane M- McGinn started low in the lineup and worked his way up to the top six Kane played in the bottom six a little bit just kind of as a moving the line around, moving the lines around trying to find some chemistry type of thing but then when you've got when you've got to have Matt Molson as a top six winger or Cal O'Reilly as a top six winger, it's really it's gonna be really tough to win against this league, especially against good teams like Detroit. So injuries obviously play a huge a huge role in this. They can't be the only excuse because I I don't see how one injury to a guy like Reinhardt necessarily puts you from being able to play even with a hot team like Colorado, if not outplaying a hot team like Colorado, to then, and they, and they were missing Reinhardt for a decent amount of that game, to then coming home and playing Detroit and looking like you don't belong in the same building with them. So injuries can't tell the whole story, but I think it is dif- difficult for them to score when you when you're missing three of your top you know, maybe seven forwards. You could even argue six forwards when you've got Gergensen's Ennis and Reinhardt all out. And you also have Delorier out. So you're missing four regulars out of your normal 12 forward lineup. Obviously, it's going to be more difficult to score when you're facing those kind of, kinds of injuries. But it doesn't tell the whole story. There still isn't really an excuse. It, they just they didn't seem to want to have anything to do with taking it to Detroit tonight and it was very frustrating to watch obviously um, because Detroit is my wife's team I'd love to see Buffalo be able to come out have a good showing against them but just two and a half hours of my life watching a game where they were outclassed the entire time and you got to give credit to Detroit because they take their foot off course they couldn't because they didn't get out to a lead early and it was 0-0 going into the third so they, they really couldn't get complacent but still they they never took their foot off the gas and never let up until they really finally cracked that uh, foundation the Sabres were trying to build all collapsing in around Leonard and were finally, finally able to get one by 
get one by Leonard. So, like I said, there really aren't many positives to draw from this game. Um, Ryan Hart was out, like I said. Georges was out again, so it brought Jake McKay back into the lineup. Mike Weber stepped up and played with Pesic. So it was, this, it was this, the same defensive pairings as the Arizona game two games ago. Uh, last game when Georges was back, McCabe was out. Georges played with Pesic. McCabe played with, or um, Weber played with Franson. But tonight, uh, played next to, um, Weber played next to Pesic. McCabe played next to Franson again. And none of the pairings were, were very good tonight. Uh, Ristolainen and Bogosian, they didn't. They had probably their worst game since since they've been together, and I think all of their other games since they've been together, they played quite well. But they, Ristolainen made a gaffe on one of the goals, and they just they didn't look like a shutdown first pairing. Uh, and the other two pairings both had their share of struggles as well. So. It was really a pretty bad game overall. Really the only line or um, defensive pairing that I could say played well for a decent portion of the game was that third line. I thought they were the only line that was ever able to establish any kind of pressure. They weren't able to get many chances, but they were able to at least establish a cycle a few times and um, put Detroit back on their heels a little bit. Every other line, though, it just seemed like back up into your own zone, collapse, try to block shots, and eventually we can chip the puck out and get off the ice. But we may be in for a rough stretch of games, depending on the severity of, of Reinhardt's injury and if and when Gurgensen and Ennis are healthy enough to return. Because this lineup's pretty, pretty bare bones, and there's some forward depth in this organization, but still not enough. You don't what would be ideal is to have prospects really knocking down the door at the AHL to get up here. And there really is nobody at that point yet. So you've got a lot of middling tweener types, which are the the Schallers and the Veronis, the, the Cal O'Reilly's that you have up here right now. But you don't have that. You, know, you don't have a, a stud 21-year-old putting up huge points down there that you can bring up when there's an injury. Now there's an opportunity for him to come up and show what he's made of. It's like you're bringing up these these tweener types that you know what they are. You know that they're they're not NHL regulars long-term in in all likelihood. And they may play at a replacement level, but they're not going to be... They're not going to bring any sort of added dimension to the lineup. So hopefully the Sabres is... This draft, they have a bunch of draft picks, and hopefully... You know, a guy like Justin Bailey or somebody like Nick Baptiste, maybe they can reach that point next year where they're kind of knocking down the door. Hudson Fashing, if he signs, which they're saying with, with how disappointing Minnesota is this year, University of Minnesota, that he's very likely to sign after their season. But assuming that he comes here, maybe he can be that type of guy as well. But until they reach that point, it's really difficult to, to fight through injuries until they can have the kind of stocked organizational depth that you hope that they have with all the draft picks that they have coming through um, in 2016. And they do have a lot of guys that are still not in juniors because they they've had a lot of draft picks the last couple of years. But it's, 
it's difficult right now to to play through injuries. They don't really have the depth to be able to to be able to not miss a beat. So it's understanding that they've had a lot of trouble scoring with these with these injuries, and I'll be interested to see what it's like when the four are relatively healthy. And you hope you see that within a couple weeks. If you see Gergensen's and Ennis back, and Ryan Hart back, of course, obviously, and see what they can do with that with that kind of depth that they started the year with. And now that you've got O'Reilly and Eichel really having, well, O'Reilly's done it the whole year, but Eichel recently, he's been extremely impressive and almost been able to carry a line by himself. He wasn't able to do it tonight, um, unfortunately. But when you can bring back the kind of depth they started the year with, with the growth that you've seen from specifically Eichel and Reinhardt. But now also that you've got Felino playing pretty well, Larson playing pretty well, Giantis found his spot in the lineup and has played pretty well. Uh, I think that the potential is there for the for this forward lineup to be pretty good when those guys all come back. But right now it's extremely disappointing, and I think you're going to see a lot of games like this. And they just have trouble scoring, a lot of trouble scoring at even strength specifically, and they're just terrible at home. I I don't get it. It's it's almost like they're better when the opposing coach has the ability to set the matchups rather than when Bilesman has the choice to you know to put his guys on the ice to have the last change. So I don't know if that's just me reading too much into it. Maybe there's something. Maybe they just play a simpler game on the road and they think too much at home. But it's weird at this point in the season. It's not just the sample size is large enough where it's not really an anomaly anymore. This team is better on the road than they are at home. And when you've got this many games so far in the season, it's not just, that's not just sampling error. It's not just, you know, it's not just a small sample size that's causing this to happen. So I don't, I don't know what the answer is. And I know that Bilesman's matchups, I do have issue with. So, that's why I could draw to that logical conclusion that they're worse because Biosma has the ability to, to create the matchups. But that's still really hard to believe that any NHL coach can actually be worse off when he has the ability to to put his matchups on the ice that he wants rather than when the other coach is dictating those matchups. I find that very hard to believe, but I don't really know what other excuse there is for it. So... I don't know. There's not really a ton else I can say. I don't. I don't want to be too scathing negative toward specific players. I think I've done done that enough. Um, just hoping that they can bounce back from this one. They had played pretty well leading up to this. I thought the Colorado game they lost to. They lost two to one, but they at least outplayed Colorado through. I'd say about the first two period. The third was even for a lot of it, and then Colorado turned it on at the end, and they were able to get the two late goals to, to that game. But this game was completely different from that. Yes, you can look at, oh, 0-0 going into the third period, but that game was anything from from even, and you knew it was just a, a matter of time before Detroit was able to, to pot one and be able to open the floodgates, so to speak. So... Hopefully Robin Leonard can continue to show up like he has been. And I, I've i been very happy with him so far, despite if you look at his win-loss record, if and that's all you look at, you might think that he was, he's been disappointing, but he's really been anything but disappointing. And 
assuming that and this may be part of the rush, but assuming that he can play more and more in control and not be diving around too much, I think he can really be stud number one goalie looking forward. And I'm still never going to like the price tag that they paid because I think if you look at value at the time, it it just didn't make sense considering he was coming off injury and the goaltending depth in that organization. And I find it hard to believe that another organization would have been able to pay close to that type of price for him. So I'm probably never going to like that. But if he can become a rock-solid number one goalie where they have some team control with him, he's a restricted free agent after this contract's up, so you've got to hope that they can lock him up somewhat reasonably after that. Depends, of course, on what his numbers are. Um, that you know maybe you can have a relatively cheap but very solid number one goalie when this team's cup window starts to open. So that's the hope. I'm not I'm not drawing too much off of this off of the small sample size. Um, he's really shown the ability in in the past throughout his career to to go on runs where he's putting up 940, 950, 960 type save percentages. So if he can harness that and now he's in a position where he is the surefire number one goalie, that I think helps the goaltender's mindset a lot too. That would be big if we can just see that the rest of the way down the stretch and really have have a goalie in place here going into next year and he can stay healthy. That's always a big thing with big thing with him. But um, beyond that, just hoping for guys to return from injury and and hoping that they can just put this this one out of their mind because it was pretty terrible performance and. I wasn't happy to watch it. It felt like a waste of time to me. So um, so thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys soon. The Sabres are back in action on um, on Monday against the Rangers in, in New York at Madison Square Garden. And um, that one's going to be nationally televised on NBC Sports Network. Not expecting a whole lot. The Rangers are tough. Um they, they just blew out the, the Hurricanes tonight, and I think they're a real contender. I think some people have been down on them, but they're one of the better scoring teams in the league. I expect them, like usual, they, uh, to make a move at the deadline to, to bring in another piece. And really, the Eastern Conference, yes, you've got Washington as the class of the conference, but beyond them, it really there are quite a few teams that are going to be competing to also reach the Eastern Conference Finals. And you never know, Washington could fall on their faces. I'm not expecting that to happen by any means. I think that they've proven that they're they're pretty talented top to bottom and got everything that you look for. They're good in goal, good, um, good defensively. They can score. They've got good scoring depth, but they've also got great high-end guys, obviously. Um, but beyond that, there are a lot of other teams that can be that are going to be competing in the Eastern Conference. And I think the Rangers are right in that mix to be that other team that maybe can give, uh, can give watch or can try to give Washington some, um, some competition and a run for its money to come out as the Eastern Conference's representative. So yeah, they're, they're tough. They're obviously they're, they're great in net with Lundquist. I wouldn't be surprised to see them come out with, with their backup Ranta, uh, just because the Sabres have trouble scoring and Sabres do tend to see a lot of backup goalies, especially when they go into these types of streaks. And the last few games they've scored 
total of three goals. But they've got pretty good scoring depth up front, and they're deep defensively. Uh, their team, I since I used to get a lot of Rangers games. I was going to school in in Rochester in the Rochester area. I did used to get a lot of their games at at that point, and so I I did watch a lot of them. I haven't really watched a ton of them this year, more than a handful of games, so I can't give a real um, a real rock solid deep analysis of of them. But um, what I have seen, they can score. They can definitely score. I think they're they're top five in the league in scoring, um, and I think if you just if you just look at the names on their roster. Yes, they are aging a little bit. They're one of the older teams out there, but they've still got the they've still got the talent to to make a little run. And I don't I don't think they're going to to win it all. I said the same thing with Minnesota, but I think when you don't have they they don't have the stud centers. I think that you necessarily need to win a championship now. So I don't think that they're necessarily a Stanley Cup contender, but. At the same time, I think that they're they're still one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, and they're going to be a difficult team to, to face in the playoffs. But when Derek Stepan, I like him a lot, but he he's not the you know he's not Jonathan Taves, he's not what you hope Ryan O'Reilly and Jack Eichel are able to be. He he's not Tyler Sagan, you know he's not. I think these these true contenders have that center that they can lean on. He's not Kopitar. And when you don't have that guy, I think it's very difficult to win to win now. I think Backstrom's become that guy in Washington. I think he's a huge reason why they are the the class of this conference. Obviously all those other things play a huge role. Um, they've got a, an incredible number one defenseman, John Carlson, as well as they're pretty good down the rest of their lineup, Washington is, but New York has that element. You know, I think they've they've got a number one defenseman in Ryan McDonough that's that's played quite well. He's a guy that you can lean on. But when you don't have that stud center, you know, that top ten center, I think it makes it that much more difficult to to try to make a run to win a championship. So that's why I would say I know it's probably overly simplistic to. To say if you don't have this guy, you don't have a chance. I'm not saying you don't have a chance, but it just makes it that much more difficult. And I think the Rangers are in that category right now. I think they're better than the Wild because I had the same discussion about the Wild. And I think Derek Stepan is a better center than any than anyone on that on that Wild team. But the same kind of reasoning applies that they don't have. He may be a number one center. He's a top 30 center, so I'd say he is a number one center, but he's not that high upper echelon number one center that I think now just with the way the game is gone that you need to win a center that can take over games as much as I like the guy I I, I like step on a lot and I would have loved to have him on on my team any day but just when he's when he's your top guy that you need to lean on I I think it makes it that much more difficult to to be a true contender so that should be an interesting matchup. Sabres will be back on the road. The Rangers are quite good at home, though. I think um, I looked at it before. They were, I think, 17, 5, and 5 and 4 on the or at, at home, and the Sabres are about 500 on the road. So I'm not expecting a win. They'll probably go back to Leonard with these few days off. 
have some have some rest time for him, and especially with how he's played the last couple games, I think they'll go back to him. But should be an interesting one. Uh, be interesting to see if they if they don't show up against another team that I would say is right about at Detroit's level, or if they can learn from this game and bounce back and kind of put it out of their minds. So I'll hopefully talk to you right after then. I Maybe I'll have one out before then, depending on if anything happens, or any big lineup changes or anything. But talk to you soon, and thank you once again, as always, for listening.